Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Are you gluten-free or dairy-free? If so, you might not have to be, according to today's guest, uh, Dr. John Duyard. Dr. Duyard is a leader in the field of natural health, Ayurveda, and sports medicine. He's the director of Life Spa in Boulder, Colorado, awarded the Holistic Wellness Center of the Year in 2013, and is the creator of LifeSpa.com, the leading Ayurvedic health resource online. Dr. Diard is the former director of player development and nutrition counseling for the New Jersey Jets NBA basketball team, and the author of six books and articles in magazines from the Yoga Journal to Huffington Post. He's here today on Health Watch to talk about his latest book, just out, entitled Eat Wheat, a scientific and clinically proven approach to safely bringing wheat and dairy back into your diet. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. John Duyard. Thank you. So good to be here. So why don't you start out by informing our listeners what it is that brought you to write this book? Why, why think about bringing wheat and dairy back into the diet? Well, you know, I... I then 35 years ago when I got into practice, people would come in with digestive issues, chronic fatigue, candida, host of problems. And one of the things we would tell them is get off of wheat and dairy, and they'd feel better for three, four, five, six months, and they'd come back, and the problems would come back. And then they'd say, well, get off of soy and other greens and nuts and seeds, and they'd feel better for a while. And then they'd become a vegetarian, possibly a vegan, possibly even a raw foodist. And we, by taking foods out of the diet, we really were just kicking the problem down the road and never actually addressing the cause of the problem. And I completely get when people eat wheat, they don't feel wonderful. But my, what the book suggests is that there's volumes and volumes of studies saying that whole wheat, not refined wheat, actually is very good for your health. And in fact, the $16 billion a year gluten-free industry now, which is really about a lot of money, is giving us processed gluten-free foods in replacement of whole wheat. And there's a lot of science suggests that it's the processed foods that they've given us in our diet for the last 60 years that has literally broken down our digestive system and rendered us unable to digest foods like wheat and dairy and other harder-to-digest foods. Well, you talk about in, in Eat Wheat that we've been eating wheat for 3.4 million years and that early, early humans made wheat flour for at least 30,000 years now, and that there's some newer science that suggests that our early ancestors may have eaten much more grass, grain, and wheat than we originally thought. Can, can you elaborate a little bit on, on some of that research that's been coming out that's contradicted some of what we've thought about early diets? Yeah, well, you know, at University of Utah, they did a bunch of studies, and they found that in the teeth of ancient humans throughout Africa, they found C3 grains, which include wheat and barley and gluten, uh, which are glutinous grains, in the teeth of ancient humans three to four million years ago. And they found also that, that these ancient humans could gather enough wheat berries. And remember, Africa at that point was nothing but grasslands. It was just covered with grass. And they could gather enough wheat berries in just two hours to feed them for an entire day. And we think three and a half million years ago, they weren't hunting. We didn't start hunting our own meat until most folks believe around 500,000 years ago. That's two million more years of eating wheat, and they could gather enough wheat berries in just a couple hours to feed them for an entire day. It's a lot easier in trying to hunt down a woolly mammoth or whatever they were trying to hunt because they didn't have hunting skills. So, and there's other research that shows that the, the enzyme amylase, which is an enzyme that helps us digest starch and particularly gluten, when you have an amylase deficiency, it's linked directly to Baker's, uh, Baker's asthma, which is a, a, an asthma to wheat or an allergy to wheat. 
And around around that same time, the science shows that there was a, that we actually genetically acquired the ability to digest starch, and wheat as a major source of the starch was happened about that time as well. And when you take another study showed that when you take ancient grains like kamut, for example. It had twice as much gluten as some of the modern strains. And in that study, it had twice the reduction of inflammation, lowered blood sugar, and lowered uh, cholesterol levels. So here's the grain with twice the gluten that reduces the risk of inflammation two times, reduces blood sugar issues, and reduces cholesterol levels. So how could it really be gluten? Another study showed that from the year 1900, they measured the amount of wheat flour people ate in 1900 to 2008, and they found that people in 1900 ate 86 pounds more wheat flour than they did in 2008. So there's, you know, study after study that suggests that it might not be the gluten. And then, you know, a lot of the anti-wheat folks say, so was, yeah, it's, it's the gluten plus it's the lectins and the phytic acids. And, and now we're talking about things that are on every nut and seed and bean, legume and grain on the planet. And then you start wondering, are we, start to, are we supposed to take all these hard-to-digest foods out of the diet? And some pretty interesting science suggests that that might not be such a good idea. So this this idea that the more ancient grains had a higher gluten content and also a better health profile uh, is contradictory or contradicts uh, recent books like Wheat Belly that suggests that the breeding techniques have led to a higher gluten in more modern grain varietals, which has led to more disease. So um, have, have any of those people responded to some of the um, new science and, and what you're well, asserting? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For, I mean, I did a really wonderful debate with Dr. David Perlmutter. You can get that on my, on my website at eatwheatbook.com, where David Perlmutter, who wrote Grain Brain, we went back and forth on the science for a good solid hour. And at the end of the debate, he raised, held my book up and said, it really is has to do with digestion. Everybody should learn how to troubleshoot and repair their digestive system. Uh, Dr. Davis, who wrote Wheat Belly, he clearly says that he doesn't blame the gluten. He never said that the gluten content was higher in modern wheat. He says that there are certain aspects of the gluttons that are actually higher. And that study has been, you know, there's a lot of holes in how he interpreted that study. There are studies that show that refined grains have a high glycemic index. Processed foods have a high glycemic index, and they act like sugar, and they're linked to Alzheimer's and weight gain and sugar belly type things. But there are many studies that show that whole wheat, like the MIND diet and the Mediterranean diet, MIND diet is three servings of whole grains, including whole wheat per day, reduce the risk of Alzheimer's by 53%, the Mediterranean diet by 54% in one study. Study after study after study shows whole wheat, not refined wheat, processed wheat, actually has a low glycemic index and helps people reduce the risk of diabetes, lowers blood sugar, um, helps people lose weight, reduces the risk of arthritis. And there's just, you know, in my book, there's over 600 scientific references because I really want to let people know that I'm not just making this up. There's so much science to suggest that wheat is actually very healthy, but the breakdown of our digestive system is very, very real. And it's caused by processed foods, pesticides in our foods that kill the microbes that make the enzymes that help us digest things like wheat. The 400 billion pounds of toxic chemicals dumped in the American environment every year, there's science to show that they actually break down the, end, the, the microbes, kill the microbes that make the enzymes that help us digest wheat. 
And I, so I teach in the book how to, how to navigate around those things, how to reboot your digestive system, how to eat organically, how to navigate around the processed wheat in your diet, and, and by rebuilding your digestive system, begin to break bread again. And more importantly is, I mean, you can stop eating wheat, and it probably won't be a big, huge, major deal in your life, but if you can't digest wheat and you once were able, how are you going to break down the mercury that, from the cold mine plumes that cover every organic vegetable on the planet. You can eat as pure as you like, as organic as you like, but you can't wash off the mercury. It's everywhere. 65% of the rain in one study had glyphosate in it, which is, a, which is an herbicide that breaks down our digestive system, kills those microbes that help us digest a host of other things and helps us detoxify. So our ability to digest well is our ability to detoxify well. So just taking weed out of your diet is giving folks, in a lot of ways, a false sense of security because 10, 20, 30 years from now, if you're not digesting hard to digest foods well and you're accumulating toxic chemicals, environmental pollutants, pesticides, and preservatives in your fat cells or your brain, like mercury in your brain, then you have real problems in your 70s and 80s. And what I'm saying is, let's fix the real problem now. Let's get our digestion back. And then you can find good quality whole bread that takes three days to bake versus three hours or two hours to bake and begin to break bread in season, in moderation. For sure, we've overeaten the heck out of bread, but and eating it in a very processed form, but we can do a whole lot better by actually demanding whole foods back in our diet, getting rid of these processed foods, and not just thinking that gluten is the cause, because there's really really no science that suggests that gluten actually is linked to all of these concerns. It's processed gluten or processed wheat that is actually, I've got studies that show that whole grains, whole wheat actually reduces the risk of leaky gut syndrome, actually lowers the risk of, uh, in, the, in the symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. Um, so there's just so much science that no one's really heard about. And I thought, like, gosh, somebody needs to you know, tell the truth of people who think just getting weed out of your diet and all my problems are solved and everything's going to be wonderful. And I don't think it will be because I see it in my practice that people don't get better when they take wheat and dairy out of their diet. For a little while, yes, but long term, not, no way does that actually solve the real problem. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to Dr. John Duyard, the author of Eat Wheat, a scientifically and clinically proven approach to safely bring wheat and dairy back into your diet. So you, you talk about the difference between whole wheat and processed wheat, but in, in the marketplace when we're going to the supermarket, because labeling is such a um, confusing, intentionally confusing thing for a lot of these companies, um, how do people find what would you consider a good bread um, when some things on the shelf might say whole wheat that aren't really whole wheat? Well, luckily in America, uh, not in other countries, but in America, when it does say whole wheat, it has to have, it has to have everything, you know, the, the, the endosperm, the, the bran and the germ in it. So it has to be whole wheat. However, um, when you look for a loaf of bread, most of the time you have, it might say whole wheat organic bread, but then there's a list of 10, 20 ingredients you've never heard of. The killer is the cooked vegetable oils that they use to keep the bread squishy for a month on end. And that's what was the replacement fast. When they took cholesterol out of our diet in 1960, they gave us these vegetable oils, polyunsaturated fats that are bleached, deodorized, and boiled, which have nothing in them that can go bad. So you stick them in a loaf of bread and the bread stays squishy forever. We can make mass quantities of this bread and have it sit on the shelf for a month and feed lots and lots of people. The problem is, is that those processed foods were linked to a 141% increase in what's called metabolic syndrome, which is belly fat, high blood sugar, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and low good cholesterol. 
And in that same exact study, when people actually eat whole foods, including whole wheat, they reduced the risk of all that by 38%. So no doubt about it, it's those processed fats. That's the one thing you want to look for is get, don't eat bread or foods and processed packaged foods that have cooked baked vegetable oils that are used as preservatives. So a loaf of bread, should the ingredients should be really simple. It should say whole, organic, whole wheat, water, salt, and maybe an organic starter. And that bread will probably take two or three days for them to actually bake it. It'll take two or three days for it to get hard, as opposed to the bread on the, on the grocery store shelf. That might even be the best version of organic bread, but it'll actually sit on your shelf for days or weeks or weeks or weeks and never go bad. And, you know, we know that our, that our body is 90%, the cells of our body are 90% microbial. And if the microbes won't even eat the bread on the counter, then what do you think is going to happen when we actually eat bread that, you know, when we put that bread inside of our body? Definitely not going to feed our microbiology, and that's exactly what happens. And put good whole wheat bread has been shown to be a prebiotic, and in some studies shown to be a probiotic, actually increases the production of good bacteria. So, so I mean, again, that's not just wheat, but all whole foods are going to do some version of that because they're natural, and we've evolved over, in wheat's case, millions of years to digest wheat. There's, in effect, microbes in your mouth, esophagus, stomach, small and large intestines, specifically engineered to make enzymes to help us break down the hard-to-digest gelatins of wheat. And that science is real. You can't ignore it. Now, when you eat a bunch of processed foods, a bunch of inorganic foods, we lose that ability. But here's something that's really scary for folks, and, and uh, I didn't even write this in the book because I didn't have this research then, but... They did a study and they found that people who actually eat gluten-free, and there's plenty of studies showing that gluten-free diets are nutritionally vacuous. They, don't, they have people who, who are celiac with gluten-free diets have issues getting their nutritional needs met. Well, another study showed that people who are gluten-free had four times the amount of mercury in their blood as people who actually ate wheat. People who were gluten-free had less good bugs, more bad bugs than people who ate wheat, and they had less killer T cells, a measure of immunity, than people who ate wheat. And this is what the, the theory is, it's called the, the hygiene hypothesis, that these hard-to-digest lectins and phytic acids and anti on grains actually trigger an immune response in our intestinal tract where you find 80% of the immune system. It's very similar to the, the, uh, the Amish kids who, who run around barefoot in their barns and, and have cows as pets. They have the lowest rates of asthma on the planet. And they measured the dust that these kids breathe in the barns, and they found out that the dust had irritants in the dust that triggered a respiratory immune response against asthma, and these kids have the lowest rates of asthma on the planet. Similarly, if we take all the hard-to-digest foods out of our diet, we've already scrubbed our, our whole environment with antibacterial everything, and now we're trying to sterilize our diet just because these things are harder to digest. We run the risk of compromising our ability to handle you know, to stimulate a very much needed immune system. So here we go again. We did this in 1960 when they took cholesterol out of our diet to solve heart disease, which had nothing to do with heart disease. Now we're taking wheat out of our diet, suggesting it might actually be linked to Alzheimer's and belly fat. And you've you got to look at these science studies. There are studies and studies that say the whole wheat lowers the risk of Alzheimer's, lowers the risk of diabetes. And how do you ignore those studies or take one study over the other it's it's people aren't hearing that side now i totally get people feel yucky they feel bad when they eat wheat they bloat they have issues and there's interesting science that shows when you have poor digestion and i want to talk about how we can maybe reboot that the hard to digest proteins like wheat and dairy and the environmental pollutants the the, the mercury and things like that they they don't get digested completely in the stomach and from the bile in your liver 
They end up too big to be getting in, to get into the bloodstream to nourish the body. They go into the collecting ducts of the lymphatic system, and the lymphatic system is a system that's trying to deliver energy to every cell of the body, support immunity and immune strength, and also detoxify the body. And when that lymphatic system gets congested, you're going to get exhausted. There's lymph underneath your skin that can cause rashes. Two years, three years ago in the University of Virginia, they found lymphs in the brain called lymphatics that drain three pounds of toxic chemicals and plaque out of your brain every single year. And they start or they're linked to digestive lymphatic congestion. And when those digestive lymphs get congested, your brain will not drain these toxic chemicals out of your, out of your brain as well as you could. And that lack of brain drain lymphatic flow is linked to anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, brain fog, autoimmune conditions, inflammation, and infection. And you're going like, wow, wait a minute. So we know that when the lymph of the brain gets clogged, we have all these conditions, which just happen to be exactly the conditions people have when they eat wheat. And we know that when wheat's not broken down, it will clog these lymphatic vessels. Well, why don't we just clean out those lymphatic vessels, reboot the digestive strength, and eat whole foods again and repair the digestive system, which is our ability to detoxify, which if we don't have a good one of those, we're going to be in big trouble down the road. Dr. Diard, before we talk about um, repairing the digestive system, which seems to be uh, repairing the root cause in, in, in your theory with eat wheat, um, you did mention celiac disease and, and the di- diet necess- not necessarily being balanced, but are you suggesting that people with celiac disease um, also would be um, good to be eating wheat? Because that seems um, to me like a potentially imprudent thing to suggest. Oh, totally, and absolutely not. And I write in the book so many times throughout the book, I tell people, like, if you're celiac, this is not for you. If you have, you know, I recognize if you have digestive symptoms, you shouldn't even be eating wheat right away. Let's reboot the cause, and then you can gracefully slowly bring it back and season in a whole food, you know, non-processed way. But definitely celiac folks should not be doing this. But that's 1% to possibly 3.1% of the population is diagnosed with celiac, 3% if you take everybody who's undiagnosed. So it's still a very small percentage of the population. But, no, we're not talking about those folks. Um, but they also need to troubleshoot. This is what I help people go through in the book, is help to troubleshoot step-by-step where their digestive system may have gone down and why the gluten and the undigested foods have triggered an underlying you know, genetic predisposition to eat, triggered this, this, this uh, autoimmune response. And now we have this science that shows that the lymphatic congestion around the intestinal tract is, can trigger autoimmune-type conditions. So not to say that they will ever be able to eat wheat again, but for sure to help them digest other foods because there is a ton of science is what my point was, that lots of that, that uh, celiac folks have a hard time getting their nutritional needs met. And so take wheat out of the picture, but let's help you digest the rest of the foods that we need to support our nutritional profile and make sure we have the ability to detoxify as well. And that was what's interesting about that study. They had four times the amount of mercury in their blood than people who actually ate wheat, suggesting that... um, and that study, to look at it more closely, had three groups of people, one with people who were celiac who were, who were on a gluten-free diet, people who were just diagnosed celiac and they didn't start the gluten-free diet yet, and people who were eating wheat. And the people who were eating wheat and who hadn't started the gluten-free diet um, had four times less mercury in their blood than people who were actually celiac who actually were 
on the gluten-free diet. So it's a really interesting, well-done study. Um, just make this just food for thought and say, wait a minute. Dr. Diard, I, I just yeah. don't want to run out of time, and I would yeah. love for you, before we do run out of time, to at least touch on some of the interventions you do to help people reboot their digestive system. You know, simple things. And my whole point is, like, not to get addicted to another pillar powder or probiotic that we have to take for the rest of our life, but things like beets, for example. Beets are natural bile movers. Gallbladder surgery is number number one surgery in America today. And when you have lack of good bile flow, liver congestion, bile congestion, which is super common, linked to depression, obesity, and diabetes, the bile is a like a Pac-Man gobbling up the toxins in your liver and the t- toxins in the, in the environment, but also it buffers the acid in your stomach. So if you don't have any good, if you have poor bile flow, you're not going to make the acid that you need to break down wheat. So you won't make, you just won't be able to cook it or digest it very well. So beets, apples, celery as a as a drink or a blended drink before, every morning, start your day with that is a fantastic way to go. I just wrote an article that showed that turmeric can reduce the can actually increase gallbladder function by 50 percent. Another study showed that fen- Greek tea can actually increase bile contraction by 75%. So fenugreek, turmeric, beets, apples, celery, artichokes, another powerful word. These are called cholagogs, herbs that increase bile flow. So you want to increase your bile flow, number one. Number two, you want to make darn sure that your stomach is producing really good acid. And there's five spices that have been used for thousands of years that have amazing science to show that they actually increase your ability to make your own digestive acid and your own digestive enzymes versus just taking an enzyme or some digestive powder, but to help your body do it itself, reboot function. And those are ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. That's ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. You put them together, make a tea, spice your food them, you take it as a capsule. But either way, they're really great to turn on and coordinate the production of the acid in your stomach, the bile in your liver, the duodenal and pancreatic enzymes all need to be coordinated to make sure you digest your food. And finally, to decongest your lymphatic system, anything that makes your skin red like a dye, like a blueberry or a blackberry or a raspberry or a pomegranate or a grape or, a, or a beets even, or uh, cranberries, all of these foods, including leafy green vegetables, are powerful lymphatic movers, not to mention exercise and keeping your body moving is very, very important. So those are some simple strategies to help just get the ball rolling, get the upper digestion kicked in, get the bile going for you, and then make sure your lymphatic system is draining so you don't get the the grain-brain effect. You get a, a better brain-drain effect, if you will. And you also, um, in Eat Wheat, you advocate eating seasonally. And I was curious if that is mainly based on your um, background in Ayurvedic principles, or is there science actually showing that uh, we should be eating more seasonally? Well, that's what I write about at my website, lifespot.com. I, I write, I take ancient wisdom and prove it with modern science. And I feel like, you know, if somebody's been doing something for a thousand years and we have science to back it up, it's pretty amazing. And there's amazing science now showing us circadian, you know, the circadian rhythms are so critically important to our ability to digest. Seasonal circadian, daily circadian cycles are critical. And they did find that there are enzymes in the body, like amylase, that increase in the fall when wheat is harvested and decrease in the spring and the summer when it's not harvested. And there are studies that show, like, with deer, for example, when they eat bark in the winter, they have microbes to digest the bark, and they have microbes for leaves in the summer, and they're different. But if the deer were to eat bark in the summertime, they wouldn't have the right microbes. It could cause a level of indigestion. It could literally kill the deer. I'm going like, are you kidding me? Deer die when they eat out of season, and we've been eating wheat out of season three times a day for 50, 60 years in a processed form, non-organic. I mean, gosh, how, what, what do we expect? 
And so I actually put out a free grocery list for people, recipes, uh, grocery lists, superfoods, every month of the year for free. It's called the Three Season Diet Challenge. Everybody can get a list of foods, recipes, and, and superfood lists of everything they need for every month of the year because it's so critically important for us to get reconnected to the natural rhythms of nature. We think, oh, it's no big deal. I can eat whatever I want when I want, sort of. But the microbes in the soil change from one season to the next. And if we're not rebooting our microbiome with different with different microbes from one season to the next, we lose immunity in the winter, the ability to decongest us in the spring, and dissipate heat in the summer. All these things are, and also turn on digestive clocks and, and turn on sleep clocks. These circadian clocks are critically important. And science, the science, big study in Scientific America said that, that circadian medicine is the medicine of the future. It will revolutionize medicine as we know it. So, yes, Ayurvedic medicine was like all about that. And now we have really revolutionary science saying, yeah, we need to get reconnected to those rhythms because they got us here. And part of that is understanding, you know, how, when, and what to eat in a seasonal way. So uh, to reiterate, um, if I understand correctly, even though you're an advocate of the potential for people to be eating wheat again, and that not being able to tolerate for a lot of people might be an issue that's deeper with detoxification pathways and problems with digestion, it's also a problem to be eating wheat all year long and every meal of the day. So uh, does that mean that generally we should be eating our wheat in the fall and the winter? I think there should be an emphasized an emphasis on seasonal foods, more meat and proteins and nuts and seeds and grains in the winter because we have the enzymes to break them down, and there's really good science to back that up. More leafy greens in the spring, spinach salads, things like that, and summer fruits and vegetables should shift. So it should be an emphasis from one season to the next, and that's what I give people the list so they can start to you know circle the foods they like, emphasize more seasonal foods. Make, definitely make those the, the organic, you know, non-cooked ones so you get the microbes, so you reboot your microbiology. You know, as we know, the microbiome is so, so powerful. And the big problem with the Western microbiome, their gut bugs, is we've lost diversity. We've lost the ability to have a wide variety of diverse type microbes that support a wide variety of diverse functions like community and blood sugar support and, and helping us lose weight. And that's caused by a, you know, a slowly narrowing of the diversity of our gut bugs. And that comes from eating foods from the soil because there's like huge explosions of bugs in the spring. But we're eating the same food we ate in the winter. We don't, make, we don't connect into those rhythms and those bug support, circadian rhythms and sleep cycles and digestive cycles. It's sort of logical, really, when you think about it. But, and now we're starting to see science point us back to eating, living, sleeping in a more logical way. So I'm sure this this conversation, Dr. Diard, was provocative for a lot of people listening today, and and I'm sure some of them are curious to learn more. So do you have a website where people could read? You mentioned um, some of the articles that you're writing, and uh, and also where they can get the book. Yeah, you can. The book should be on, on Amazon anywhere, and the website is eatweetbook.com, and that's where you can get all kinds of information and questionnaires about the book. That's eatweetbook.com, and my my main website where all my articles. We have 700 articles and videos about how to improving ancient wisdom with modern science. If you're interested in that, that's lifespa.com. L-I-F-E-S-P-A.com. Everything on there is for free. Thanks for being on Health Watch today. 
Thank you. We are talking today to Dr. John Duyard, the author of Eat Wheat, a scientific and clinically proven approach to safely bringing wheat and dairy back into your diet. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host, and stay tuned for Madness Radio, uh, looking at the lasting psychological effects that refugees may face after fleeing war-torn countries.